Have you ever gone ahead of God? Pastor Xavier Reese today on Simple Truths. Too many Christians are quick to be organizers without being sufficient agonizers first. Oh boy, we move, we do. Oh yeah, I can do it. Have you prayed? What? Oh yeah, let's pray. Lord, bless our energies and efforts. Amen. No, we don't do things and then say, God bless it. We say, Lord, bless your work. Lead us. That's important. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Most successful businesses are run by very capable, but all too often unapproachable leaders. Well, today, Pastor Xavier takes us to the Lord's School of Business Management that offers some far different lessons than what's conventional. That's in today's message from the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. Here's our teacher, Pastor Xavier, to begin. Nehemiah chapter 1, the message is entitled, A Call to Serve. Today in the church, there is a great void regarding leadership. But not leadership that expects to be served, rather leadership that is committed to serve. I believe that the book of Nehemiah provides for us many insights and principles for servant leadership. It's an incredible book. And Jesus said to his disciples one day that the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as a younger, and he who governs as he who serves. You find that in Luke 22, verse 25 and 26. Now, the occasion that prompted the teaching was a conversation among the disciples as to who was the greatest in the kingdom. Now, you know that this was a topic that came up all the time. Now, I know that it'll never come up among you, but so just as we talk about it, put it to the side, okay? But um, often it came up. One time they were um, coming in and they were walking into the city and um, Jesus he got in the city and went in the house. He, he says, what were you guys talking about? I said, oh, oh, nothing. And, you know, here he's gone. And get the picture. He's gone. He's walking with them. And maybe even the disciples said, hey, let him get ahead of us so we can discuss the kingdom, you know? As if he wouldn't hear. As if he wouldn't know. But I'm glad we never do anything like that, you see? You know, we repeat the same things they did because we're as human as they. The third and last time that this topic came up, at least that it's recorded, it's recorded three times, so you can make sure that it happened many more times is that the Last Supper where Jesus um, did not even bother any longer to give him that principle of being the greatest by becoming humble like a little child. But instead, he girded himself with a towel and he began to wash feet. And you know the whole dialogue that went there. And at the end, Jesus said, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. John 13, 15. Who was this man? He was the son of God, God himself. All power, all knowledge. And what did he do with it? He washed feet. I tell you, 
Sometimes as I look around ministry, and even as I go to pastor's conference and I see some of these pastors, they think they're little Jesus. <laughs> they think they have the Messiah complex. What a sad day it is when we lose sight of servant leadership, the kind that follows our master's footsteps. From the shepherd to the youngest in the body, it's the only type of leadership and servanthood that is taught in Scripture. No other. And so what we want to do is begin our series on Nehemiah by looking at Nehemiah's call to serve in the capacity of servant leadership here in chapter 1. Three things are revealed about a call to serve here in chapter 1. First, a call to serve is prompted by God, verses 1 and 3. Secondly, a call to serve is pursued through prayer, verses 4 through 10. And then third, a call to serve is personalized by making oneself available, verse 11. Let's begin with the first after I read the chapter through. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, it came to pass in the month of Shislu, in the 20th year as I was in Shushan the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came with men from Judah, and I asked him concerning the Jews who had escaped, who had survived the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem is also broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned for many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, I pray, Lord God of heaven, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayers of your servant which I pray before you now, day and night. For the children of Israel, your servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you, both my father's house and I have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, nor the ordinances which you commanded your servant Moses. Remember, I pray, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though some of you were cast out to the farthest part of the heavens, yet I will gather them from there and bring them to the place which I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Now these are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, I pray, please let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and let your servant prosper this day, I pray, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. A call to serve is, first of all, prompted by God, verses 1 through 3. Notice first, in verse 1, God had decided to call Nehemiah years after the captivity. 
It's been 13 years since Ezra had returned in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, and you find that in Ezra 7.7. It is now the 20th year of his reign, around November, December of 445 B.C., verse 1 tells us. A key date, if you remember your prophecy in Daniel's 970th week prophecy, the beginning countdown was March 14, 445 B.C. God was beginning to work not only to use Nehemiah, but a key date that would begin the countdown to the first 69 weeks of Daniel. In spite of how confusing and how gloom it may seem, if God has promised something, know that he can act in ways that you and I have no idea about. He is at work. In spite of the mess that we find our world in, God is in control. Nothing escapes him and nothing confuses him. Nothing limits him. He's on the throne. And he certainly is not biting his nails. Nehemiah's in the fortified palace of Shushan or Susa, about 100 miles north of the Persian Gulf. Now, he's relatively comfortable. He's got a great position. One that has a little bit of jeopardy, he's the king's cupbearer, and he's got to taste all the food and wine before the king does in case someone tries to poison him. But um, I, we don't hear any complaints from Nehemiah. And at this point, I don't want you to also conclude that maybe Nehemiah was volunteering because he has such a perilous job. We get nothing from the text like that. Nothing at all. Notice secondly in verse 2 that God used Hanani to begin to work in the heart of Nehemiah through a normal conversation about the remnant that had returned with Ezra. Some believe that Hanani here is Nehemiah's blood brother, and you get the scripture in chapter 7, verse 2. Maybe. We don't know. Notice he asked about the Jews who had escaped and survived the captivity. You see, you, Nehemiah was born in captivity. Nehemiah had never seen Jerusalem, as far as we know. So he's asking inquisitive. He's heard his history. He's heard it from his parents. He's heard it from his grandparents. But he's never seen anything of Jerusalem. These men have. He asked about Jerusalem. You know, too often we are expecting God to speak to us through some miraculous way or some lightning and thunder. When in fact, as we search the scriptures, they reveal to us that God speaks to us to the, through the most natural means most of the time. And he manifests the supernatural through the most natural means. And I think that's why we miss God so often. <laughs> Elijah said he, he was not in the storm. He was not in the lightning. But the still small voice. Think of how often God has spoken to you and directed you and guided you and ministered to you through the most natural things of just somebody saying something. Yet the supernatural has been manifested. 
Very simple. Notice thirdly in verse 3, the first portion, that God used the condition of his people to move upon Nehemiah's heart. He says they were in great distress. They were in great reproach. Oh, God's beginning to work on him. Why? Because he loves his people. He's moving on the heart of Nehemiah regarding compassion. God begins to show you and myself various and other people's lives or whatever it is in ministry to move you with compassion. Do not the scriptures declare that Jesus looked upon the multitudes and he had compassion on them because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd? We have to make sure that our hearts open to be compassionate. It's easy in this hard and cold world to become uncompassionate, even in Christ. We can become so unconcerned and so busy and so caught up with whatever we're doing that um, uh, people really become insignificant, even within the church. Notice fourthly, in verse 3 still, that God used the condition of Jerusalem to accomplish His purposes. They said the walls were broken down. The walls speak of protection and safety. They were open to destruction. The proverb says that a man that cannot control his spirit is like a city without walls, open to destruction. And so in his mind, he can see the rubbles and, 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 the, and the people at jeopardy. No defense. The gates were burned down. The gates speak of authority and leadership. It was lacking because the gates were burned. The elders, the judges would sit there and judge the cases of the people. They were unable to right now. How God begins to prompt our heart regarding our call is incredible. He's so good. Even as God prompted Daniel's heart through the books of Jeremiah, he says when he saw the captivity was nearly up according to the number of years that Jeremiah recorded, he turned his face to seek the Lord in fasting and prayer. Oh, so God is dealing here with Nehemiah. He's using all this information and he's beginning to prompt his heart regarding the call that he's laying on his heart. How interesting that at times we are thinking of things or we say, well, I think I'll do this. Well, you know, I'll do that. And we have no idea that it is God who is directing us until <laughs> after the fact. Some people at times say, well, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to go do this. I, I, I've got to do this. And when they get there, they find out that God has someone there for them to minister to. Remember Ruth? She told her mother-in-law, Naomi, I just happened to be in the fields of Boaz. Happened to? No. God was directing and guiding all the way. We should be open and ready to be prompted by God to serve in a call through the most natural means such as a conversation with God's people. A very conversation, a very simple conversation. 
as you come to church tonight or you go to a prayer meeting, that, that God can speak to you through somebody. I'm not talking about a prophecy, thus saith the Lord. I'm talking about a normal conversation where God begins to, all of a sudden, a conversation strikes up and all of a sudden you say, wow, hey, that's, that's pretty interesting. And, and God begins to move you that way and you don't even know it. <laughs> and as the days and weeks go by, you see God's hand and developing and opening doors. That's exciting. Now, there is a caution at this point. Alan Redpath, in his book concerning Nehemiah, he says, a need never constitutes a call. Oh, that's good. A need never constitutes a call. You see, sometimes we are so work-oriented that if we look around, there are so many needs that pretty soon we can become so overwhelmed, then I have trouble deciding what should I do? What should I not do? Too many Christians are quick to be organizers without being sufficient agonizers first. Oh, boy, we move, we do. Oh, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. Have you prayed? What? Pray? Oh, oh, yeah, let's pray. Lord, Lord, bless our energies and efforts. Amen. No, we don't do things and then say, God, bless it. We say, Lord, bless your work. Lead us. <laughs> and we go and then we watch and bless it. That's important. But also God's burden and his burdens are prompted on our heart. They will always have to do with people, not with things. Often people get a sense of call to ministry and as you listen to them, all you hear is things and not people. God's burdens that are prompted on our heart will always have to do with people. God is interested in people, not in things per se. We too often love things and use people, when in reality we are to love people and use things. If you've lived any amount of time, you know that things are exciting, nothing wrong with them. And when you can first get them in that, oh, it's great, you feel good. But the longer you live, you realize that things are really the least thing of importance in life. The most important things and the things that you value as you get older is people. Your wife, your husband, your children, your family, your good Christian friends. And now the things come into proper perspective because the things are meaningless. But when you can enjoy the things with people, they're a lot funner, aren't they? But when you have everything and you're concerned with things and not people, you have all those things for yourself, it's kind of a boring life, is it not? I tell you, it's always a lot more funner to share something and enjoy it with somebody. Always. Also, God always prompts us to accomplish His purposes, not ours. His purposes, not ours. God had promised to return the Jews and rebuild Jerusalem. This was His purpose at work. The small contingent had already gone back with Ezra, and they were there working. The majority of people remained in Babylon. They had become real prosperous during captivity. They got into the business aspect of it. They didn't want to leave. These guys were going to have a hard time. 
God tells us that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, Ephesians 2.10. Every one of us, God has works for you to walk in. And as we wait upon him, we will walk in those ways, in those works. Handiwork, workmanship, it means poem. Now my responsibility is to seek the Lord so I may walk in them. It doesn't say it, I will walk in all of them. I am sure I have missed some things, and maybe more than I even know. But I don't want to miss them. I want to try to walk in them. Because God gave me a set amount of time in my life, the gifts necessary, the anointing, and now I've got to align myself with His will so that His purposes are the ones that are prompted on my heart and so that I'm doing what He wants, His will, not my own. Because after a while, in whatever area you're in, you know, you can manipulate and do whatever you want, right? Then you start being in control. And you have to be real careful because you end up serving yourself and having other people serve you rather than everybody serving Christ. And God has chosen the diversity and uniqueness of the body and unity to accomplish these things, one with another. So a call to service prompted by God. Nehemiah had no idea what was going on right now. He's just having a conversation. And he doesn't even know the things that God had. He is the man. He is the man that's going to receive the key date for the countdown of Daniel's 70th week. He has no idea. Oh, I wonder what God has for you. And you have no idea. <laughs> and he's beginning to prompt your heart to step out, to trust him, to seek him. I tell you, if God showed you what he had for you in the next five years, you'd probably run the other way. And so would I. So he doesn't tell us anything. He just takes it a step at a time, a day at a time. That's good. But a call to service prompted by God. Secondly, a call to service pursued through prayer. Verses 4 through 10. Now, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. He's praying chapter 2, verse 4. Chapter 4, verse 4 through 5. Verse 9. Chapter 5, verse 19. Chapter 6, verse 9. Verse 14. Chapter 13, verse 14, 22, 29, 31. This man is a praying fool. He prays all the time. He's a man of prayer. A call to service pursued through prayer. Notice first in verse 4. Persistency in prayer will bring about God's burdens, not our own. So it was when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned for many days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. He sat down and wept when he heard. He mourned for many days. He fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. How long do you think Nehemiah prayed? If you take the beginning date in chapter 1 and you compare it to chapter 2, verse 1, he prayed for four months. And what's the longest that you and I have prayed for anything? He's got it made where he's at. Why does he want to get involved in what's going on in Jerusalem? He's a man of prayer. He is seeking the will of God, the direction of God, to line himself up with God's will, to tap into the things of God and not simply to get things from God. 
proper perspective of God in prayer is important. He prayed, calling God the great and awesome God, declaring that there is nothing impossible for him. Nothing. So he's coming to God in prayer with the proper perspective. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of putting your prayers before action. Now you can hear this message again if you like online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now there's much more to come on the life of Nehemiah in the coming weeks on Simple Truths, but if you'd like a copy of today's message in its entirety, the title to request is A Call to Serve. Now you can pick up a copy on CD for just $4. And be sure to pass this along to your family and friends who do not yet know the Lord. Once again, the title to ask for is A Call to Serve, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it helps us when you tell us the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This way we can track this outreach in your area. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Why is it so hard to get laborers for the kingdom? Well, that's next time when Pastor Xavier Reese brings us more Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 